Hey everybody, this is Tom Singer. It is Thanksgiving week, and I hope that you have lots of things to be thankful for. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in and listens to cool things entrepreneurs do. So this week, instead of two episodes, we're going to release seven episodes. That's one show every day for all of Thanksgiving week. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. And we're back with another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks a lot for tuning into the show. You know, at the it's been so much fun working on this project. I have had the opportunity to talk to so many cool people who are doing really great things, and I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people and people who have, have emailed me, who've heard the show, and I've gotten to know some of my friends who I've interviewed a lot better. So today we're going to have uh, an interesting guest. It's one of the first guests I have where I don't really know anything about him. So we're going to learn together as we talk to him. But before we get started, I'd like to thank my sponsor for the show. The sponsor of today's episode is the Executive Press Division at New Year Publishing. Uh, New Year Publishing specializes in assisting CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other executives in producing high-quality industry-focused publications that enhance the brand of the author and the brand of their company. You can find out more information about the Executive Press Division at newyearpublishing.com. Well, speaking of publishing, our guest is from the publishing industry, and Steve Simpkin from Ice Cube Press, and you can find them at icecubepress.com. Steve actually found me. He sent me an email after listening to one of the other episodes on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, said he enjoyed the show, and said that he had an interesting take on being an entrepreneur, and I looked him up online. I looked at, at, at Ice Cube Press, and then I went and looked at his LinkedIn page, and he's been doing this since 1993, and so he has a lot of longevity sort of as an entrepreneur and, and growing sort of a business. He's a Midwest literary press, literary publishing company. And so, you know, I love it when people reach out. It's not that everyone who sends me an email, am I going to invite them on the show? But there was a little bit of serendipity involved in the fact that someone else had canceled their interview that I was going to do this morning. And I had this block of time set aside and I got his email and I thought, you know, the world works in mysterious ways. I said, can you do a call right now? And five minutes later, Steve and I are on the phone. Steve, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Great. Thanks for having me on. I did When I sent the email, I thought, boy, it's going to take at least a couple of weeks to hear back. And I wasn't expecting five minutes, but. Yeah, well, that's because, that's you know. That's exactly what an entrepreneur does, right? Exactly. And. Takes advantages when they show up. And the fact is, is that you thought like I was some big deal. And I'm just a guy in my kitchen who likes to talk to people who are entrepreneurial. <laughs> so I'm sitting around my kitchen going, hey, here's someone to talk to. Right. Well, I'm walking around in my living room, so, you know, well, I, I, your show is really fun to listen to. So as far as I'm concerned, you are definitely somebody. Well, I appreciate that. And when some of the feedback, you know, that I get is that people like the, the conversations and they say it's, it's like you're talking to one of your friends. Well, a lot of the people I've had on the show, this whole idea for the show came from a blog post series that I've done for well over two years, every single week, or when I say every single week, sometimes I miss it because I get yeah. busy, but it's called Cool Things My Friends Do. And I would just, you know, my friends would publish a book or they'd launch a new company and I'd write about it because it's fun to talk about other people. And when I came around to look to do the podcast, it became cool things entrepreneurs do. But so far, most of them are my friends. And, and I think by the end of this interview, you and I will be friends. Absolutely. Honestly, one of the reasons why I knew you knew what you were talking about is because you are full of energy 
And a lot of the times I hear people talk about their business or they uh, tell me what they want to do, and they sound so unenthusiastic. And the first time I listened to your podcast, I went, this guy obviously is completely into it because he is running on energy, and that's one of the things you absolutely have to have. And so I'm like, just your tone of voice told me a lot of what I needed to know. Well, I appreciate that. As a, as a professional speaker, I'm always amazed how many times I see people take the stage in front of an audience of a 1,000 people and get up and talk about what they did that was so interesting. It's like, my like, God. You obviously weren't that excited about it. I was going to say, you're sharing it with a whole audience of people. Let, let them know you cared yeah. about this. Well, and the, and the other thing I want to add is that a lot of people who do podcasts are very concerned with who they're going to have on their show, that, that they're up that ladder, that they're having famous people because they want to draw people in because of their name. I'd never heard of right. Steve Simpkin before. For all I know, you're the king of publishing. But I, I want to I have, am the king of publishing. The, the king. <laughs> I want to have people on the show who are real people who are out there fighting the good fight. And when I looked you up, I said, this is serendipity. You know, let's go with it. So, Steve, tell us a little bit about your business and Ice Cube Press. I, would, I often kind of joke, like when I had my 20-year um, celebration or anniversary of publishing, I, I talked to the business paper in the county and I said, you tell me a little bit about yourself. And I said, well, without a degree in business, without a degree in marketing, without a degree in writing, without a degree in anything, Steve Simpkin, despite all those odds, has been in publishing for 20 years. And a lot of what inspired me is the love of writing. And another thing that inspired me is just the, um, I guess I'm just not a very patient person to a certain extent because I would be working and I'd take my breaks and I'd go up to the bookstore and I'd see more books and I'd take them home and I wanted to write my own book. And so I was definitely um, motivated to get started. I just decided that I'd waited long enough. And I think that's sort of a common thing amongst entrepreneurs is that you know you have a good idea and you start looking for ways to make it happen. And so I just decided I would start a small newsletter and I would start sharing my writing and taking other people's work and sharing that. And then I um, started reading. There's so many clues out there on how you can get started. For me anyway, it was looking at who authors that I respected who had they thanked and who were the people that endorsed their books? And then I looked them up and it, it's just amazing how just getting motivated and realizing I could do it. And as small as that was at first, you know, one thing led to another and I just got more and more confidence and more and more connections. And pretty soon I realized I've been doing it for 15 years. And then I realized I've been doing it for 20 years. And so I, I don't, I'm just surprised that enthusiasm really teaches me how to learn as quickly and as efficiently as I can. It's much different than school. Well, and you just went and did it. I mean, that's one of the things that, right. I mean, a lot of people, and I'm, I was guilty of this. I didn't start my own business until I was somewhere in my early 40s. And I, I mm -hmm. dreamed about it and I thought about it for a long time. And I, I kept hoping that like the, the entrepreneur fairy would come and sprinkle dust on me while I slept or something. <laughs> but I, I did it because I got pushed out. I was involved in a layoff in April of 19, you know, uh, I'm sorry, of 2009. And, and they say April of 2009 was the bottom of the recession. So I got laid right. off from a marketing job and looked around and there was no opportunity for, you know, a middle-aged guy who did marketing for services firms. And I decided, all right, I'm going to become a, a professional speaker and trainer. And, and my wife, I think, you know, was like, oh my God, we're going to lose everything. <laughs> 
he can't do this. What is he thinking? <laughs> well, I think she believed I could do it. I just didn't think she knew how long the runway would be, and, and there was. Yes. I mean, we hemorrhaged cash for a couple of years, but but we figured it out, and we've made, made a great life of right. it. And, and you know, by just doing it, it happened. Right. Yeah, yeah, because I, I often have, like, I went to a, uh, you talk about feeling like you're not, you're too big for a show or you're too little. I, I was invited to the, to the local high school and they wanted to talk to me about business and it dawned on me how many people feel like the reason to start your own business is to get away from a boss. And I was explaining to him that's couldn't, in my opinion, that couldn't be further from the truth because at first I sort of was relieved to get away from bosses, but it dawned on me early on that I was the boss and well, there's no one else to blame. And so I kind of think if you get into the point where you're you're doing it to get away from a boss and you're definitely doing entrepreneurism for the wrong reasons yeah you well have to embrace I, that um all decisions are yours and you can't turn around and go ah darn i could, wish i could blame somebody so i find that pretty exhilarating because it's like i really do feel like really empowered but there are some days I have to admit where I wish I had someone to blame, but it always leads back to myself. <laughs> well, I, I spent a lot of my career in sales, and so I always had a sales manager. And so now that I've right. worked for myself for, I think, five and a half years, you know, people ask me about my job, and I say, my sales manager is a jerk. Oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> yeah. right. I do that sometimes. I'm like, who picked that book to publish? Oh, darn, it was me. I can't believe it. But another thing, that, and this is sort of, I wouldn't say this is specific to publishing, but it is, um, it's something that everyone does in sales is that, and it, this is going to sound like a really easy lesson that I've learned in life, but it is, um, you know, when I started getting submissions and ideas for books, I didn't really, um, take them as seriously as I do now, because at first when you're publishing, you don't realize that something someone submitting to you is probably beyond their family. Um, their kids is probably one of the things they've invested the most time and energy into. And I know that sounds really basic, but even in anything, if someone comes to you with a business and they want you to help them with sales or inspiration, that they're really revealing a lot to you. And I think as a, at least in my role, I've learned to embrace that. And um, I, I sort of in some ways consider myself not an entrepreneur, but a dream maker to a certain extent, because I feel like I can only help people as much as they'll trust me to help them. What a great term that you're a dream maker. And actually, I mean, not just in publishing, <laughs> I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, that's really how they feel is they're, they're, making, right. they're making dreams come true, whether it's a publishing someone's book or, or helping someone be more productive or whatever it is that their product or service does to add to the life. Those, those right. entrepreneurs who really have passion, I think that's, I'm writing that down. That's a great term. They're dream yeah. makers. Right, because I mean, it sort of dawns on you at some point that, you know, you, I have my idea of what I want to have happen, but I can only help, you know, I, the world is a huge place. And so I, if someone has a book on whatever their book is about, I can only help them if it's one of my first questions I'll ask someone is, what do you hope happens? Because I can't take on the world, but I can definitely help us together figure out how to make it happen. And I think that, um, a lot of the time people see businesses on the outside and they think they're sort of, they're driven entirely on their own. But for my case, I feel like I'm definitely 
driven as much by the people I'm trying to help as I am in what I want to have happen. And I think I find that, you know, I'm, I'm an observer right. and I, I watch a lot of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and, and the ones that I admire aren't driven by selfishness or aren't driven by money. They really are right. driven by that, that, that thing inside them that says they want to make a difference. Right. And I think that's the key to the longevity, of course, is I've frequently, I'll sit down and someone finds out what I do and they'll just load me with ideas. They'll just rattle them on and on and on. And I think to myself, I can only go as fast as I can keep doing this for the rest of my life. And so, you know, I'll file those ideas away, but I'm thinking to myself, I know I can't attack the world that quickly. And so part of that longevity is realizing that it's not just about yourself. It's definitely about figuring out how to help other people and then pacing yourself so that you don't burn out. Because I think a lot of businesses just go down because they put so much into it that they can't possibly keep it up. So you bring up longevity, and that's one of the things that I was really sort of drawn to when I looked at you know your bio. And so what other advice, other than what you've already said, do you have for entrepreneurs? Because most businesses fail in the first few years. I know. What advice do you have to, to keep yeah. it going? I know. I see that all the time. I tell people, I hope that you're planning something. I mean, one of my tricks is that I didn't just start one day um, in 1993. I continued to have some other part-time jobs along the way. And I knew that I needed to learn more and I needed to find that, that center spot where I knew how I could help other people. Because although I had a history in sales and I had a history in reading and um, customer service, it took me at least 10 years to realize the heart of what I was doing, which is what I was telling you, is not is um, learning how to help other people and taking their um, what they want seriously. And I almost feel like you have to live through that to, to um, become comfortable with how to talk to people, how to understand how a person described their book. And I, I'm not saying it's, everything is tradition-laden, but I, have, I feel like because I want to get better, I constantly figure out these little tiny details that um, that don't seem so big, but they completely change everything. Like I just refuse to um, to ignore a submission if it seems wholeheartedly given to me because I know how important that is to them. And I spend a lot of time working with the authors before I pick someone, and so I'll have long conversations with them about um, how do you want this book to work and how do you hope it works? And another thing, and this a little bit unrelated, but um, like reaching out to you today, I realized that a lot of people, I teach writing workshops and people are so scared to share what they do with other people. And I often say, you should pick like the five most famous people you know and contact them. And, you know, it's, uh, they may not contact you, but they already haven't. But secondly, um, like people in the writing world aren't necessarily the most famous people. It's not like you're calling President Obama. You're calling Barry Lopez, who's an environmentalist writer that you admire. And it's kind of a compliment to them to ask. But it also really boosts your ego to know that you're associating with people that you feel are real um, decision makers and what you care about. Well, and that's a piece of advice I give to people when they go to conferences is so often mm-hmm. people are scared to approach the speaker. And unless the speaker is like Bill Clinton or Colin Powell, they don't have right. the secret service around them. 
And, you know, as a speaker, I came off the stage the other day at a a big conference in the insurance industry and like 30 people lined up to come and ask questions or or share their (laughs) stories that related to something I said on stage. And it made my whole day. I mean, it was like 20 minutes of talking to people, 30 minutes. And it made my entire afternoon that these people came up and talked to me. So a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to bother the speaker. I can pretty much assure you that if if they're there and they're on stage and you thought they did a good job, it's going to make their day if you go up and say, wow, good job. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what's more exciting than sharing what you care about and having people come up and telling you what a great job you did and asking you for some other ideas? I mean, I know I could spend my whole life doing that, but when the time is right, it's the greatest feeling in the world to know that you're helping other people. Well, and you brought up, you know, the fact of just reaching out, sending your work or reaching out to the people you admire. The way, one of the ways this podcast came about is I was attending the National Speakers Association Conference in San Diego last summer. And uh, one of the sessions I went to, the person said, if, if you feel like you're stuck and you need to grow your business and, you know, you're looking for new ideas, go out and interview 50 people. If you interview 50 people on the other side of those interviews, you're going to be better. And so I thought I was going to do it on my blog because I'm a writer. I thought I was going to interview people and publish them in the written form. And over the course of a couple of months, it became Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. And here we are. Yeah, I know. And that's another thing. I mean, you kind of hear the word networking when you're not, when you're just a normal, I guess entrepreneurs aren't normal people, but we are normal, but we're looking for new things to do. And so... I used to be kind of frightened of the word of the term networking. So like when you get to the conference, you want to network with people. And I was like, no way I'm going to stay in my comfort zone, but it's amazing how quickly your comfort zone becomes sharing your ideas with other people. And it only takes, Oh, four or five minutes. Really? As soon as that other person looks at you and you connect and you realize, all right, I've got something to share. And then that leads to another thing. And, you know, I go to the, uh, Midwest Booksellers Show, and I'm always so happy to see all the people that I've met, and we share all our ideas, but on the other hand, it's always great to have new sellers come and new authors come and meet all them and learn all about what they do, just like you have in this show. Well, and I call it the power of hello. I teach it at conferences. I actually get people to realize that when you say hello to someone in a social setting, like you know, mm-hmm. a booksellers conference or whatever, they usually right. will say hello back. And now you have the right to chit-chat. Conversations come up when you say hello to somebody. And it's not scary to say hello to a person who's wearing a matching name badge. (laughs) Right. It's like, we're on equal name badge status here. Don't worry about it. So, Yeah, another thing I like about being an entrepreneur in the publishing world, for me anyway, is that in some ways I'm the ultimate cheapskate, which means that what I like is I like what keeps me motivated for the long term is actually that I do so many different things. And... So I, I choose books that come in. Um, I edit. I help edit books. I um, I work on marketing. I work on promotions. I work on sales. I work on acquisitions. And it's really fun to do all of it. And it is overwhelming, but it also keeps me going because if I get tired of um, editing and deciding whether they should use the Oxford comma or not, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? It's time for me to call a few stores and uh, talk to them about some books that just came out. I'm a big fan. I'm that, a big fan of the Oxford comma. I am too, actually. I don't. I can't read without it. <laughs> my, my wife. There's still, people that doubt it. So. My wife does not like the Oxford comma, and my 17-year-old daughter will always say, "You know, without the Oxford comma, you know, you don't know what that and means." 
Of course you don't. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of it because, you know, it could be, I like to thank my parents, comma, and Rand and Judas Priest or something. That's or right. Someone, if you don't have that comma before the end, you're too, the parents sound like those two people, but that, you have to separate them. That's right. And, and I assume that your parents were not Judas Priest and Ayn Rand. <laughs> right. God, imagine, imagine the love child there. You have to make extreme examples or people won't figure it out. I just said, I like to thank my parents, Tom and Jane. Like, yeah, that seems right to me. I'm like, no, there's still three people. There's still three different groups. Hey, so, so, so really quick. So you have been doing this a long time. Really, really fast answer. What do you love about being an entrepreneur? Uh, I love that. I love that I make the right decisions and that seems kind of weird, I suppose, but I like that I've learned to trust my voice and I've learned that what I believe in doing is actually makes a difference because at first I absolutely did not think it would work out. I mean, if you'd asked me 21 years ago, would you, would you still be a book publisher? I would have said, absolutely not. I had a history of thinking of great ideas and not following through. And for this one particular idea, I said, I am going to follow through and I'm just going to make it happen. And so I guess the is I love that people appreciate what I do, but I also know they appreciate it because I develop the confidence and the trust in in what I do. So, what do you not love about being an entrepreneur? Oh well, that's one of those trick questions. <laughs> you know, I there's not a whole lot I don't like, but I do. There, there are times when you get invited to a conference to take pitches and you take submissions and. I'm a positive person, and so a lot of the times I'll get book ideas or I'll, I'll sort of get people that have already fantasized the completion of their projects, and then they don't like it that I'm not going to be able to help them. And so, you know, you can only help so many people. And it's and hard, and it's hard to tell the them. the hardest part is just, um, you know, you go on the street and people ask you who you are, and they're like, I sent you something, and you never responded to me. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm sure I sent you a letter. And I tried to encourage you to try somebody else, and they say I did. And then I realized, well, that's the best I can do. I just can't um, afford or have the time to help everybody. Well, and it's hard and to tell so, someone their baby is ugly. And sometimes, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm involved with New Year Publishing, and I've seen some of the the stuff people want to do. And you know, sometimes you you can't, you just can't do it. Right. And then I always remind myself, well, it's my money and my time, and so. In some ways, you get to the very end of the whole process of, de- of deciding what you're going to do, and you think, well, is this something I, I feel like I want to commit to? And, you know, because part of what I trust is what I, I trust what I believe in. And if I don't, I just have to um, tell myself that this is just not going to work for me, and we're not going to be able to work together. So, and what- so that's part of that. You know, I wish I had a boss sometimes, but <laughs> I don't. So <laughs> you have to be strong to be an entrepreneur also. So if somebody wants to go out and start their own business, they, they have an idea, whether it's publishing or something entirely different, and they just have that yearning and they think they want to do it, what's the one piece of advice you would give them? I, 20 years ago, I would have said just do it. Now I would say to myself, also just do it, but, re, but decide to yourself how much of yourself you can put into it at once. Because I really, I think a lot of the reasons people fail is because they, they can't, I mean, it's impossible to subdue your enthusiasm, but it also could be your downfall. And you just have to figure out that pace and what your goal is and, and, and 
keep on that because it's so easy to get distracted um, with other people's ideas. And it's a tricky, of course, because you want other ideas, but if you're the one doing it, you really have to stay focused and, um, and make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. That is, if you're wanting to help people become writers, then you have to remember that you can, you know, one good book leads to the next one. <laughs> and it, it's really hard to give an easy answer to that. Sure. So, Steve, let's say, uh, I mean, we could sit here and talk for another half hour all about your career because it's been long <laughs> and it's been interesting. But I think the best, as I said earlier, the best entrepreneurs are observers. So what do you see someone else doing out there that you think, wow, that's cool? Yeah, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of progression. I mean, progress going on in in the publishing world, and a lot of people, of course, think I'm going to go out of business. <laughs> and I say my advice to that is always, I'm in the storytelling advice, I'm, and so people are going to continue to want stories with each other. Well, just and jumping in so, here really quick, I hear that in the speaking business all the time. They say, oh, you know, the conf- conferences are going to go away, or nobody wants professional speakers anymore. They just want really smart people who've done interesting things. And, yeah, until no, you get to the conference yeah. and you're sitting in a chair and someone's on stage, if they're awful, you long for somebody who's who has the skill to speak. So, there's Absolutely. you know, people, people like to give advice that industries are dying, but I don't think mm-hmm. the publishing industry is going away, and I don't think the conference industry no. is going away anytime soon. I don't definitely not neither one of them I see them fairly similar (laughs) it's like the best way to tell is to speak in my opinion is to you know have a story and have a and have an interesting intriguing involving way to tell it and it's the same thing for a book everyone writes a different way and so you're looking for that person that has that extra pizzazz to it so I cut you Um, off what's something cool you see someone doing yeah well I've I've noticed a lot of good publishers that are working that they're Balancing between ebooks and non-books, and they're improving their websites. And I, you know, a lot of the small presses up in Minnesota, I really admire a lot. I, there's Milkweed and uh, Milkweed Press that I especially I look at them and I talk to them, and I like to figure out what they're doing next. And so, there, I feel like there's a there's a balance. You have to keep your print going, but you also I'm looking for how I'm going to use social media next and how I'm developing that. And so I'm really admiring um, a lot of publishers for that. So, and how do you give back to the greater good? Because again, entrepreneurs often find right. ways to serve their community, and it's always kind of fun. A lot of them don't like to talk about it, but it's always fun to hear what people do. So, so what do you do to give back? Well, I feel like I do. I mean, in some ways, I feel like the writers I pick are my way of giving back. Sure. But on the other hand, I love to go out, and I like to go to writing conferences, and I like to volunteer to speak at. Um, at community events where we talk about reading and we talk about what we're what we about writing and reading and the importance of it and so I love to bring five or six books I'm working on and tell people the process of how it happens because it's surprising how even if someone's not necessarily interested in writing or publishing they love to hear the story of how someone got their book published and they love to know that there's someone like me out there that's helping and I and then the other thing I love to do I like to go to libraries and talk to them about how when I was younger, I always heard, oh, you don't want to go into writing or publishing. You want a real job. And I think to myself, I often, this is going to sound really, really conceited on my part, but there's a reason for it. And I'll tell you, I get to the conference and I frequently say, my name is Steve Semkin and I make all my money through writing. And I say that because I want people to realize that if you care about it enough, that there is a future out there for writers. And I want to role model to younger people that it is something viable to do. 
And that's one of my guiding principles a lot of the times is just to demonstrate that it's that people may make fun of you, but it doesn't have to be that way. Well, and living a life by example, I think, is a great way to give right. back because I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people out there who wish they could be writers, but, you know, have been told right. for whatever reason they couldn't. I had an eighth grade teacher. I, I, you know, I write nonfiction books. I wanted to write fiction when I was in eighth grade. And my junior middle school, or I guess we called it junior high back then, my junior high right. eighth grade uh, English teacher, she told me that's not going to work because you're not very good at grammar and spelling. Uh, you'll never, you'll never be a writer. And I didn't write again until I was in my late thirties. I mean, I, I stayed Isn't away from it. And the first depressing. time I, the first time I wrote an article for my local business journal, I thought it was going to be rejected and be awful because I suck because that's what my eighth grade English teacher had told me. And it turned out they liked the article. I ended up writing a series of articles. It led to, you know, speaking and then books and all this different stuff. Right. And, you know, so I think going out and telling people, hey, you know, if you have a passion for, I mean, writing, sure, but whatever you do, if you have a passion, whatever. there's a way to make a living to do it. And so I think what you're doing is Absolutely. fantastic. Right. There's some, I don't know who said it, but people say it a lot. It's like people find time for the things they want and they care about. And that's completely true. And yeah, even if you're not a writer, I agree. Um, it's just entrepreneurism is, in a certain extent, is... It's great for the people doing it, but it also gives everybody else hope, I hope. <laughs> it's like there's so much passion involved in it, and it's the way to really enjoy and feel fulfilled in your life. And I think other people feed off of that frequently. Because I, I talk to a lot of people. I was just at a library conference oh, talking about writing a couple weeks ago, and three or four, they weren't depressed clinically, but they seemed really depressed about the world of writing. You know, just over lunch... I was asking them what, why did they want to be writers, and by the end, they were so excited to bring those ideas back, and, and I feel like I really helped them to a certain extent, because it's like, go back and look at this. It sounds really intriguing, and you get follow-up emails saying, thank you so much for sort of rekindling my passion, and I, in some ways, that's one of the best things you can do. Well, Steve Simpkin from Ice Cube Press, thank you so much for reaching out to me by email and just having that entrepreneurial spirit that says, yes, right now is a great time to do an interview and, and jumping in. I've, I've had a great time right. talking with you. Great. Well, I think I'm friends with you now. Yeah, no, I'm I serious. think I, 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 I feel like we <laughs> know each other. I'll send you a LinkedIn request when we're done. All right. Perfect. Thanks for letting me talk. Sure. And Steve, if and somebody... keep up the great work. Oh, thank you. I will. I'm having a really, really good time doing this show, and, and hopefully that comes across. Hopefully the, the passion I have for, for doing cool things entrepreneurs do comes through as much as the yeah. passion you have for writers and publishers and publishing. So I'm fascinated by podcasts, and so I was, I'm always combing, I'm combing the internet forum and i was really happy to find yours so i that's well, something i'd like to learn about also so well i'll, sh I'll, I'll share with things. you yeah i'll share with you offline but uh go download the shows and, and maybe leave a, a review because one of the things for a new show like mine is having people download it and leave reviews about what they like about it really helps the show right. get noticed so so i appreciate that yeah, go to itunes and write positive reviews that's right yes good. everyone who's listening please please do that and thank right. you so if somebody wanted to find out more about Ice Cube Press, maybe they have you know a book that they'd love to, to share with you or they just want to hear more about you. How yeah. can they find you? It is, uh, well, IceCubePress.com. I'm on Facebook as well, so you can go to Ice Cube Press at Facebook, and then I'm on Twitter at, at Ice Cube Press. And, you know, one of the advantages of being an entrepreneur as far as contacting me is that I'm not – I like I know what I like, so if someone sends me something that seems a little off off target from what I'm interested in, 
that's okay. You go ahead and send it because I know what I like, and I'm. Uh, that's one of the things I get to to do is find new material. Well, again, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you to everybody who listened. We'll be back very soon with more episodes of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. In the, main, in the meantime, go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.